0: What's up? This is JM, host of the Celebrity Grill Podcast on iTunes. And you're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Network. All barbecue and grilling, all the time. Start the Let's go! We'll do it live. Okay. Well,
1: do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live!
0: So, to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood.
1: Are you sure it's safe? Whatever.
0: We put the lighter fluid on,
1: strike your match, and. Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good
0: idea.
2: Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the north coast i am your program host greg rempe happy to have you aboard here on your tuesday evenings live fire fun and frivolity show if you want to jump in on the show this evening with a live fire hot topic take here's how you
3: get in touch with me or follow you can get in touch with the show by sending an email to greg at the bbq central Central (laughs) show.com Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform.
2: Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now, maybe a little less than that. The second Tuesday of the month in the first interview segment slot, creator of AmazingRibs.com. I am, of course, talking about Meathead. We were going back and forth on what we thought would be best topics here this evening. And it was a not a fight, but certainly a discussion on would talking about this second book be best topics for discussion or... Should talking about what the difference between a drip pan and a water pan is, how they differ, why they're not the same, these terms should not be used in common, so on and so forth. And we landed on the book. I could talk about Meathead's book writing, at least the attempt at the second book, that has gone on literally years and years. I could talk about it until the cows come home. I could do a two-hour show on the second book of Meathead, whatever it's going to be called. Is it actually ever going to show up? The process that it has already gone through. To say that this second book, if it actually comes to fruition, has been a labor of labor would be the understatement of 2023 and I know there's a number of months left, but there is absolutely no stretching the truth to that statement. A labor of labor. And that might be an understatement, actually. So we are going to be talking about the book. We will be going into further discussion from there. And we will see what Meathead has to say about the book. But more importantly, maybe in 2023, you, the fan, the central light has taken a shine to writing, and you think you are good enough to get published. Well, who better to talk to than a best-selling author? The one of the top ten cookbooks of all time in the history of all books sold 250,000,000 copies of the first book, even. There are few authorities that are as versed to talk about this in such an expert way than meathead, So that's what we will do here this evening. And we'll uh, interact with you, the listener, as well. And that's Meathead. Then, 35 past the hour, of course. Second Tuesday of the month in the second interview slot. None other than our pal Robert Moss from robertfmoss.com. Live fire topics to debate. Talk about, explore further, get some history and education on. Robert O is good for that. And that will wrap the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour. And joining me there, a longtime friend of the show, a one-time sponsor of this show at multiple different points of this show's life, which, as we found out last Tuesday, is now into its 15th year of live shows, two years podcast before that. Somebody who has some of the most successful rubs, sauces, injections, and marinades on the market and has since his launch Cosmo Cosmo's Q is ready to rock leading off the second hour at 14 past and then closing out the show here this evening we have had this company on I believe once or twice before already uh, actually once as a corporate but we've had some of their influencers on as well first timer director of product management at Oklahoma Joe Ray Pepeat will join me to close it out. So there's what you have here this evening. Meathead is feverishly texting me here as he is not able to run. I'm in the green room and the screen is black and no audio. Are you there? But of course I'm here. He's black for sure. No doubt about it. So I will... Pull up the links here for Meathead and then get him going here in the right place. And hopefully, I'm not backfilling this first segment. But we'll have to see about that. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at Instagram, the Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you who are using our video streaming platform partners watch us here this evening of course you can get the show over on Facebook and Twitch at bbq central show or slash bbq central show of course and you can also watch the show on YouTube as well slash rd rempy sorry typing and we do have and believe it or not For the first time in many weeks, and I don't think there's probably actually anybody on here because we've let it dip, we are technically on Clubhouse as well. Is that right? (laughs) If any of you follow me on Clubhouse, can you just jump over real quick and see if you can actually get in the room? I think there is not going to be uh, any way for you to hear the other side of this whole production, but in case I need to go to clubhouse for questions or to interact, then go ahead and make sure that you jump in there and we can get you up here and see if it's actually working. Sure, Joe is right there and ready to rock, so happy to see him. Uh, This week's poll on YouTube, if you would like to take part, your favorite barbecue meat of the big four, chicken, ribs, pork butt, or brisket, and currently 46% of you are saying, I'm oh, sorry, uh, 50% of you that uh, just changed, as I had mentioned, it, are saying that brisket is your top meat of the big four barbecue meats. And we'll check that here through the course of the evening. We'll also get the guest take on that. And we can see where everybody else comes in and sees whose meat is favorite. I'm surprised chicken has 14%. Actually, chicken and pork shoulder have 14% at tie, And ribs are at now 27%. Brisket just dropped down to tad to forty-seven percent, so some interaction going on there, and we will see how it goes. Remember, the more you vote, the better it is. Now let's go to oh uh, oh uh, Forget how to Are all these guys up here. Stover, are you uh? Are you, is your mic on? Are you are you able to talk? Do I need to uh, invite you somewhere? Hmm. Others in the room, right? Yes. Oh, here we go. Let's see if he can jump on real quick. Stover, can you hear me? Well, here's the good news. In a new way of trying to work around this, it's not working any better. Great. Right? No audio. Hmm. Well, that could be because of the workaround, but that's all right. Everybody jump out of Clubhouse. Don't even use it. Meathead is ready. Good. But we got that worked out with 30 seconds left. Also, a lot of reaction to the 15th year of live streaming shows this past Tuesday. As I had mentioned, I don't remember the last time the anniversary of the show starting actually fell on a show night of Tuesday, but it was a great bonus for me. Some of you had no idea the show has been around for 15 years in the live format. Two years prior to that as a podcast, actually. What you might be even more excited to learn is that since I am in the process of getting a new website done, I went onto the current server and pulled down all the show archives and put them on my local tower. Notwithstanding that, I went to the secret folder where the original dozen or so podcasts have actually Been securely tucked away for well over a decade, and I sent those to John Solberg for use for the Best Moments Show, in whatever way he sees fit in putting them together. So there is a part that is still up to me getting those files over to John, pulled down from the server. However, the other portion John already has, and I'm sure you will be shocked at what the show sounded like in those original podcast days of 2006. No release time on those at this point, however, I'm sure John will keep us updated and I will be able to keep you updated in the second hour as things move along on his end. Hey, since 1991, the National Barbecue and Grilling Association has been the voice of the barbecue and grilling industry by helping members network and learn from proven professionals. New owner and leader, Cal Phelps, looks to take the history of this organization, move it to two new heights in 2023 and beyond, and they start with the National Barbecue Association's annual conference, which actually starts tomorrow. So if you're somebody that likes to talk the business of barbecue and grilling, and you're looking to stay on top of trends, market your business, learn from the folks who've done it right and continue to evolve in the market, that itself is ever-changing. This conference should be one that you're attending starting tomorrow but it's too late to register so hopefully you've done all of that and you are going to start getting your information and questions answered as soon as wednesday february 15th it's going to go through the 18th over there in the celebration area of orlando so if you didn't make reservations shame on you go to nbbqa.org and see what you might be able to get in video or audio replay if you're not a member already if you are a member and you're missing out, hey, don't worry. You get it all on video. All the classes, all the education, all the specialty stuff. So consider becoming a member as well. Once again, that's nbbqa.org. That's nbbqa.org for all the information. And again, if you're not a member, consider it because if you miss out like these great events that are starting tomorrow through Saturday, then at least you'll have access on the replay. We are back with Meathead right after this stick around. We'll be right back.
3: You're listening to the barbecue central show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe.
2: Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com. ...to buy the blends of pellets that CB and the gang are selling currently... ...or see what other products that they have currently available. That is CookinPellets.com. My first guest this evening, the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website... ...on the face of the earth. And in the second Tuesday of the month, you find him right here talking about live fire topics and such... We welcome back friend of the show, Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Hey, Meathead.
1: Hey, hello, Rempy, and hello, Centralites.
2: Happy to have you aboard here this evening. And we were talking about topics to actually get through this month. We had two on the docket, and I thought it would be better to perhaps do a little left instead of going a little right, where a lot of folks might think we would go normally in this live fire I want to talk about this book, Meathead, and I want an update on this book in the midst of writing it as you claim that you are. So let's ask it in this way. If a listener in 2023 decides that I'm going to write a book, I have a niche in the live fire industry that I want to cover, I've done my deep dive, my due diligence, and I'm ready to bring it to market or publish or pitch it or however it goes, what's a guy or gal to do? Don't do it. I don't need the competition. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Stay out of it. You leave the live shows to me and leave the book writing for Meathead, and we'll both there be you very go. Right. That's right.
1: I've had a lot of people come to me and say, you want to do a podcast? I say, no, I'm not competing with Rampy. Never. Oh, geez. It is a task and a half. Um, you know, it, the place to start is to get an agent. Um and if you don't know how to do that, you should consider going to Writer's Digest's website. I think it's writersdigest.com. They have a database of agents. I'm with um, the Ekkus group, E-K-U-S group. Sally Eckus is my agent. Um, and she is, they, they do cookbooks primarily. Um, I first met them at a conference, the um, International Association for Culinary Professionals and she was doing the presentation i was blown away i cornered her she said well send me a proposal i did Um, and she said well uh, i get it but that's just not going to get a book sold do you know how to do a book proposal i said well not really and so she held my hand and boy i'll tell you a book proposal is a big pain and if you're thinking about doing a barbecue cookbook or any kind of cook, or any kind of book, a novel, you have to write a proposal, and this proposal first clears through the agent, and then it has to be sold to the publisher, (laughs) uh, and, and an editor at the publisher, and it has to contain a really good description of what the book is, what makes it different from other books out there, because they don't want another Me Too barbecue book, and God knows there's a bunch of those, They want to know what makes it different. And one of the things that's really changed in the book publishing world that is different from the way things used to be, um, used to be the publisher was responsible for selling the book. But now they want to know if you have a platform. Do you have a way to help with the sales? In fact, lead with the sales. Have you got the sales gene? Do you have a blog or a website or a restaurant or a way to reach the audience, a customer? Now, we had a website with two to three million people a month coming through there, plus 16,000 members of our Pitmaster Club. So that got us right in the door. That's a, that's a platform. That's a built-in audience that helps sell. After that, you not only have to pitch your book concept, they want you to identify the competition. So I had to write a, a couple of pages of all the barbecue books that were well this was I'm going back to two, 2015 um the book came out in 2016. Actually, 2014 was when I started the process. And so I had to identify all, all of Stephen Reichland's books and all the other books that were out there and what they were about and what their strengths and weaknesses were. So it, basically, you've got to write like a business plan um, to get a book published. Um, Sally held my hand, got me through the process. Um, she picked up the phone and made one phone call. Um, And sold it. Um, And I was very lucky. Uh, Then began the process of writing it. That book came out in May 2016. And it has since sold 250,000 copies. They, Sally and the publisher and I decided, why not do a sequel? And that's where I'm at now. Um, and I, we can describe the whole process of writing and submitting. And uh, I, um, on March first, I, I have a deadline to submit my manuscript. So I am just, you know, bleary eyed, crazed, blisters on my fingers. Um, I have written essentially two books, and I'm trying to get them to buy the concept of a two book set. Hmm. Now that's never been done in barbecue. Um, but you know, whenever you're trying to sell anything, you you want differentiation. You wanna be able to show that your product is different than the other products out there. My last book, which is right over there, um, did that rather nicely. I mean, it had a really strong f- science flavor. Half the book was a textbook, the other half were recipes. Um, and, and so I had to, you know, uh, I've got almost 300,000 words and 600 photographs, and I cover a wide range of new topics. Um, we'll see if they buy it. I don't know if they will.
2: When you're originally talking to the agent and you're going over, they want you to pitch sales, show that you have a platform, show they have an audience. First thing that jumps into my mind and what I've been seeing maybe over the last three or four years is somebody like yourself or another guy I have on regularly. It's also a prolific book writer in the space of Sam, the cooking guy you're jumping in well before the book is released, going pre-sale available now on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whatever pre-sale. It was always the book dropped and now you're doing the media circuit to try and pedal books out of the store or through the various online retailers. Is pre-sale even more important? than yeah. the sale because it's showing what kind of real engaged audience that you have and whoever wants this number can see how much money they're going to make right off the bat the date the book ships.
1: Well, not only that, but you, you you know books are expensive to produce. You're taking little thin slices of dead tree. There's 400 dead tree slices in my last book and you not only have to buy the paper and the cover material Um, you have to print it Um, and that's expensive the uh, all the page uh, layouts and designs and um, uh, and the plates and the printing and then it's shipping is expensive and you want it in as many bookstores as possible yeah amazon is probably responsible for half the sales now but there's still bookstores. In fact, independent bookstores shockingly have done rather well lately. Mm. Um, there's a bunch of them out there, which means the sales force, the, I'm with Harper Collins. My last book was Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. They got acquired by Harper Collins. Harper Collins is one of the biggest publishers big. in the world. Um, and uh, uh, you know th- th- they have a sales force and they call on the bookstores and they have to take orders. And so they have to have a sales sheet, basically that pitches the book. So all that has to happen even before they run the presses. (laughs) Um, They they produce what they call a blad and a blad is usually three or four pages. It's a sales sheet um, that describes the book, has copies of the cover and the interior pages, Um, all that stuff that goes on uh, behind the scenes. Um, I mean, I'm writing the words. Now, I'm doing something most published authors don't do. I happen to have a master's in photography, so I'm doing all the, my own photography. Those mm. 600 pictures are all mine. Same for the first um, book? And, pardon?
2: Same for the first book?
1: Yeah, 400 pictures. Well, there's some product shots in there, You know, some grills and stuff that are the manufacturers. But um, uh, 400 photos in there, probably 375 of them are mine. Um, and I have an artist who works with me and she did about 25 or 30 illustrations. Um, so, um, you know, all that is photography and then Photoshop and all that stuff that goes with it, you know, and it has to be 300 DPI and, uh, all the restrictions on the photography. So I, I just, I just finished last week getting all the photographs lined up. I'd say I have 95% of them lined up, probably about another five or 10% I've got to reshoot because I don't like the quality of what I got or I just need to shoot fresh. Um, So the photography is just about done. The first book, uh, I want a two book series. The first book is again, a textbook. The second book is recipes. The first book is done. And now a a good writer and a good publisher will want you to have what they call first readers. And I have uh, about seven or eight first readers. Professor Greg Blonder at University of Massachusetts uh, um, is um, uh, the science advisor and his name is on the cover of my last book. He's involved in this book as well. He's reading it. My wife is a microbiologist. She's reading it. Tamara Haswell from the Washington Post. Who writes about food science and food politics she's reading it uh, i'm working with bridget Bins, who is a very experienced cookbook author um, and she's reading it uh, from a culinary standpoint so i have all these people feeding back plus my team clint cantwell who's our general manager they're all reading the first half of the book and sending me their comments which i now have to fold into the manuscript before i turn it in march first
2: Here's the question of the night from Johnny Maggs, host of the uh, Pit Life Barbecues podcast. Is there a time when this book will actually be released? I would imagine it's probably got a date of 2024 attached to it.
1: Typically. Now, again, it depends on the publisher. You know, there are some um, uh, uh, lower grade publishers. I get pitched by them all the time. Um, Hey, how'd you like to do a book on griddles? um and you just write it you turn it in they barely edit it and it's out in paperback in six months with harper collins and the big publishers the turnaround time is a year minimum um i'm turning mine in march 1st we're shooting for a may 2024 publication date i'm asking them to pull it up to april um but um uh, right now it's scheduled for may 2024. so do you worry that when
2: you're writing a book and you've been doing it for the last couple i mean this book has been more than the last couple years but do you ever worry about whatever content you've been writing is going to go out of style or out of fad or do you try and keep it evergreen no matter what
1: yeah i mean like for example the bacon section i i i i mean really hot right now is flavored bacons well i've been writing about you know doctoring bacon with seasonings and uh, sweetening it with sugar and heath bar crumbles and stuff for years but it's really catching on now so i'm you know got some of that in the book but i'm worried you know not worried but i'm a little concerned you know that this fad will have blown away in a year so you do you worry about that there's 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 koji in there mm-hmm. um there's other stuff that's being trendy sous vide will that have come and gone any, by a year from now, y- yeah, you worry about that stuff.
2: Smoke and Joe's Pit Barbecue on in the Instant Chat is asking that since you have a degree in photography, are you able to okay. give the listeners best settings for indoor food pictures? Now, to me, I just take my Google phone, point and shoot, and have it hit the enhance to make all the corrections and I upload it, but I would imagine for the <laughs> photography nerds, there's f-stops and other such nonsense you would recommend?
1: Well, um, th- these new mobile phones are phenomenal. Um, our Pitmaster Club members are constantly photographing the stuff they cook. And we have a section in the Pitmaster Club called Show Us What You're Cooking. And we send out some of those pictures in our monthly email newsletter. And they are publication grade quality. I mean, some of them are just make me jealous. They're fantastic. I shoot with a SLR. Uh, a nikon d750 i actually have three of them one in my studio i have a studio in my basement with lighting and and
2: uh i have a studio in my basement with lighting too
1: right right well um, mine is a photographic studio not a a sound studio but uh same idea Our, our avocations are eating up our basements aren't they um I'm using a technique for a lot of the recipes called light painting. I sent you a link. I don't know if you want to show any of those pictures, but it's a really fascinating process. Uh, it's not very well known. I turn out all the lights in the room, and I illuminate the food um, with a pen light. It's no bigger than a pen. And, I, and instead of a big, you know, broad lights and all that stuff, I'm moving the light around and I'm pointing it just where I want it to go. (laughs) It's almost a dance because I have to move around. And um, it it takes maybe 20 or 30 seconds per exposure and maybe five or six exposures per photograph. And they're all sandwiched. in. But that doesn't answer your reader's question. A good, get the best latest phone you can get, uh, whether it's a Samsung or an iPhone or Google. I don't know which is the best and you want lighting now your best lighting is going to be natural window light between 10 o'clock and two o'clock you don't want the light coming from behind you or just to your sides your best light will come from between 10 and 2 um, behind the image and if the foreground is dark get yourself a sheet of white cardboard and bounce light that's coming from behind the image Bounce it into the foreground. And that's pretty much all you need. Um, if you want to go, you know, really upscale and pro, then you start getting lighting. And uh, there's all kinds of good, inexpensive lighting setups. But natural window light from the north, north windows, is really good. And actually, if you go to amazingribs.com, um, search um, on the word photography, use the search box. I have a whole document on um, food photography there and yeah. tricks and techniques um, uh, that um, might help, especially if you're a restaurateur. You want to show your food in the best, pardon the pun, best possible light. So th- go read that that document on amazingribs.com.
2: You know, we got a couple minutes left. Amazingribs.com is website, of course. As you are talking to the agent, you're able to secure one. I don't know if you got to sell yourself to the agent for them to even yeah, consider absolutely. that they take you on to then start pitching you around. But let's say you get over that hurdle. Is there money to be made in books anymore? When I was talking to Stephen Reichlin 15 years ago, just starting out as a pup, I think you could make a killing. You know, you could sell a couple books, and you you did pretty good for yourself and the refrain from a lot of the folks nowadays, uh, at least from the pitmasters I hear is it's a way to get the brand out or keep your name out there in a different way, expose yourself to potential new fans, but nobody's getting rich off of book sales anymore. True?
1: Um, probably it depends. Now I wouldn't say nobody. Reichland's making money. I'm making money. Um, there's you know it's like in anything. It's like in sports or theater. The big names make the money hmm. um, um th- 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 my book uh, which is over my shoulder here meathead had a 35 dollar cover price um that's what you'll find it selling for in most bookstores um on sale it's discounted to 25 bucks often amazon usually was selling it between 21 and 23 just earlier this week i don't know if what's true today it was on sale on amazon for 18.50 wow um, that's almost half price. Um, um, uh, the, um, uh, my royalty, I get around two or three bucks a copy, depending on what the retail price is. I, I get a percentage of the retail price. Mm. So, I mean, you, you think about that, $35 cover price, I'm making only two or three bucks a copy. Yeah. Um, um. But, um, you know, when you get 250,000 copies, now I'm not making that money. I own a business, AmazingRibs.com. And all that money goes to the business, but it helps keep the business alive, promotes the business, builds the brand, all that stuff. A lot of barbecue cookbooks may just be a good way to promote the restaurant or the cook.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, Mead had anything else before I let you go here this evening?
1: Uh, it's just, it's torture. Um, it's a lot of work. Um, your name is on the cover.
2: These are are all things I heard the first time you got that first book launched. (laughs) And you told me on this show seven years ago if I ever think about doing a second book, please come to Chicago and murder me in cold blood. And here you are getting ready to do another book. And you're saying the same things again. Well, next time I'm really killing you. If you come back on the the book and say the third book is coming out, I'm going to have to kill you for real.
1: Yeah, no, I'm not doing this again. This is too much.
2: All right. Uh, AmazingRibs.com is the website if you're interested in the photo stuff as he said go there in the search bar type photography and then check out all the stuff he's published he is a degreed photographer on top of being an expert in the live fire industry and showing up Master. on this show showing up on the show twice uh, i'm sorry on the second tuesday of every month. Meathead from AmazingRibs.com. Meathead, always appreciate the time. Thank you for reserving some time here on your lover's Valentine's Day, and we will see you in March.
1: Always good talking to you in the Centralized.
2: There's Meathead right there. Once again, if you didn't know, AmazingRibs.com, the website, and if you're just tuning in and you're looking for photography because Smoke and Joe asked, go to AmazingRibs.com, and in the search bar, type photography, You'll have tips and tricks right there listing how to get your best pictures. Why not? Robert Moss is ready to rock for the next segment. Pits and Spits are the best-looking, best-cooking smokers and grills. Pits and Spits offers a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination pits, fire pits, and much more. They've been the only, well, one of the only American fabricator shops that have focused solely on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? They're able to put an emphasis on quality and design, locally sourced materials, and unmatched attention to detail. From the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel, they bring both function and beauty to life. Pitts and Spits builds every product with the intention it's going to get passed down for generations to come. Whether you're in competition barbecue or you just want to take that backyard barbecue and grilling game to the next level, there's a product for you. Check them out at pitsandspits.com slash Central. That's pitsandspits.com, all spelled out, slash BBQ Central And use promo code bbqcentral for a free spice pack. When you order $500 or more dollars worth of products or you buy a grill or whatever, that's BBQ Central at checkout for the free prize. All right, we'll talk to Robert Moss right after this. Stick around, we'll be right back.
3: You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show.
2: And we thank Meathead for joining us last segment. You can find him at AmazingRibs.com. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard, where you can monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously, connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring, or connect via Bluetooth. If you have smart speakers in your home, most of them fully integrated with Fireboard, so check those out. Fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. And as I'm just learning here in the email correspondence, Ted Conrad from Fireboard will be at the HPB Expo 2023 in Louisville. So I will see him in uh, about a month from now. I think it's like March 11th through the 13th. But I'm going to go like midday, like noon arrival, Louisville, walk the show, meet up with a bunch of celebrities and whatnot uh, overnight, and then spend the balance of Sunday before I make the five-and-a-half-hour trek back home up to cleveland so looking forward to that so if you're going to go to hpb expo let me know and we'll try and coordinate a meet up or get together or some nonsense like that my next guest is the contributing barbecue editor to southern living magazine an accomplished author also a restaurant critic we race to the hotline and welcome back our pal
0: robert moss hey robert Hey, Greg, how are you doing?
2: I meant to ask Meathead at the lead of our segment, but I was too book-heavy in my mind. <laughs> the YouTube question of the evening is, of the four main barbecue meats, I have a sneaky suspicion where you might fare on this. Which is your favorite, chicken, ribs, pork butt, or brisket?
0: Well, you could probably rule out the last one, knowing I'm, I'm from South Carolina, I'm, I'm sort of, you know on the record about brisket. We'll talk a little bit more about that. I have a feeling in, in just a moment. Um if you had said pork in general, I would that would be a slam dunk. Uh pork butt, maybe. Yeah, you know, i I like all things pork. So if you said a whole hog, that would be my absolute you know, is that a cut of meat? Not exactly, but uh that's my favorite meat to put in a pit.
2: All right. So whole hog for Robert Moss. Not on the offerings, but currently are saying brisket and ribs at 35%. So I'm surprised. I thought there might have been a little bit of a boat race.
0: Ribs are coming back here. Absolutely.
2: I thought it was going to be a little bit of a boat race for the brisket, but people are uh, hanging tight with a bunch of the other options there as well. So good to see a little diversity. I wanted to start this evening with something that I thought maybe it's three weeks ago, maybe even a little bit longer when I first saw it hit social media from our pal, Daniel Vaughn, the, Barbecue editor over at Texas Monthly, tmbbq.com is his website, by the way. All of a sudden, he rips off this, what I called reckless social media post about <laughs> the fourth slice of brisket is the best slice of brisket. I had never heard anything about it. Of course, everybody from Texas, when I had mentioned it, shot me direct messages and emails going, Oh, you're a host of a barbecue show. You've never heard the fourth slice thing. Everybody was a friggin' expert all of a sudden, but I was out in the dark. No shame in that. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. Are, are you familiar with the fourth slice of brisket, thanks to our pale Daniel Vaughn? And what do you think of this?
0: Uh, Well, I am familiar with it. Thanks to our pal, Daniel Vaughn. Mm. Uh, I would challenge anyone to f- to really find any reference to it before January 27th, which is when Daniel wrote his article about it in uh, Texas Monthly, which then led to all the social media and everything else. So this is truly about a three-week-old phenomenon, as far as I know. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe we will go back to the 1950s and everybody was was talking about it. And I just somehow missed that. In, in and you know, I haven't researched a whole lot about barbecue. But um I think it's it's, it is the a phenomenon of our times. Um uh, I do want to re- if we rewind to our segment last month when I was on we were sort of looking forward to 2023. Mm-hmm. Uh if you recall my big prediction for 2023 is that this is the year that brisket is going to jump the shark. Yeah. Uh this is it. Brisk yo, know, This is the last gasp of brisket. Uh, your poll, um, maybe not, maybe maybe counteract or arguing against it. But I'm going to see if I can drive those numbers down a little bit more before uh, before tonight's over, because I, I think this is an example of brisket. Just really, yeah. You know, this this is the last throws of brisket. Um, Everyone saw fourth slice. Everyone's become an expert on it. But if you actually click through a link on social media and you go back and you read Daniel's article, which is actually a really interesting article, um, it it go the whole concept of fourth slice goes back to uh, Leonard Battello at Truth Barbecue in in Houston and in Brenham, Texas. And uh, he's a great pit master, really great guy. Uh, and he and Bert Backman from uh, Los Angeles. This is all I'm just just, just just I'm just recapping Daniel's article for everybody. So this is you know nothing nothing uh, on my part. But they sort of came up with this idea of fourth slice. As they were a couple of years ago, sort of shooting pictures back and forth with each other and talking smack about their brisket cooks and sort of comparing, and they sort of came up with this idea that the yeah, if you really want to be the true test of your the quality of your cook, the consistency and everything else, it's not the first slice, the second slice, it's the fourth slice. Of brisket, and and that's the one they started shooting pictures back and forth of. It's a good article. It's an interesting article, but nowhere in the article does anybody say whether it's Daniel or 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 Leonard or or, or Bert that uh, the four slice is the best slice of biscuit. It's like the, the 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 top piece to eat or anything like that. In fact, they all have different opinions about what the, their favorite slice is to eat. This is some way of very artificially judged, not artificially, but very meticulously judging. Define minute qualities mm. and it's actually diagrams where so they're outlining fat and po- pockets and all this kind of stuff. So it's really, to me, we're getting into the angels on the head of a pen stage of brisket where we're really just getting down to like, you know, totally analyzing the minutiae and then social media blows it up. And all of a sudden people are asking for the four slice at, at your nearby barbecue trailer, which is sort of in- insane. If you ask me,
2: those were my two thoughts was, uh, we'll get back to what my minutia thought here is in a second. But the first thing I was like, I, had text daniel vaughn i said wow i hate to be you because all these a-holes are going to be walking into their favorite texas barbecue joint and asking for just the fourth slice of brisket and he's like well they're gonna say go to the back of the line yeah but maybe the next person and are you going to sell the fourth slice of brisket i'd sell it for 12 bucks I sell it for 15 bucks. If somebody, Whatever somebody's willing to pay for that fourth slice of brisket, that price keeps going up until that person says no, and then I'll go back to wherever they were going to say yes. I mean, why not capitalize on it if there's capitalization that could be taking place? However, the other part of my question or my minutiae diving is this. There's two parts to the brisket. There's the flat. There's the point. Now, I know what side of the beef I'm going to ask for that fourth, Slice from, but was a was there a definitive talk on where that is? Is it, is it the fourth slice of the fat of the flat, or is it the fourth slice of the point?
0: Well, if, if you click there and read the article, it's it's very clear. It's it's the fatty end. Hmm. So it's it's they sort of started off, I think, first by. Judging the first slice and looking at that, then sort of realized that four in, you get more complex muscle structure or something like that. But again, um, to me, this is diving into the minutia of something that no one will remember uh, three months from now. So uh, Maybe
2: not even three you know, weeks from now, I have to be maybe honest. Maybe not even three
0: weeks. I mean, this is the butter the butter candle of, uh, of February. I'm sure something else will be popping up in March.
2: Robert Moss joining us here on the show, robertfmoss.com. His website So Malcolm Reed was on the show last week, and I had quizzed him about some things I had never heard of. Once again, showing my full lack of breadth of a lot of culinary stuff here outside of the live fire industry. And he said something about king cake. I asked him what king cake is. Uh, He tried to describe it best as he could as we were jockeying through a bunch uh, bunch of other topics through that segment. But you have a little further insight on king cake, so please educate.
0: Yeah, I do, and um, I'm afraid this whole segment is going to make me come off as just like super grumpy. But um, king cake is another thing that sort of you know sticks in my craw. Um, I had never heard of it myself, and you know, growing up in South Carolina, you know, close to to New Orleans, right? Not we're in the South at least. I never even heard of it. You know, maybe I saw some reference to it all of a sudden around 2015 2016 it started popping up everywhere <laughs> on everybody's social media feeds right around mardi gras here in charleston you know and suddenly there are bakeries are baking king cakes and everybody's talking about where well, you can get your king cake for for mardi gras etc 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 um and i was like okay what is this thing so I, I i dug into it and read up on it um it's sort of it's sort of crazy because uh king cake originally you know, is definitely a new orleans tradition it's borrowed from a French tradition, the uh, galette de roe, or however you say it, the king cake in in France. But it was it's not a it was never a Mardi Gras tradition. It was always an epiphany or the twelve days of Christmas. So on uh, January sixth was when you would have the king cake, and I think Malcolm talked about you know finding the baby and yep. all that kind of stuff. And it was a tradition that was you know sort of a Catholic uh, tradition related to the the twelve days of Christmas. And you know New Orleans being New Orleans, everybody liked king cake, so they started eating it on the seventh of January, then the eighth of January, and then you know, maybe all the way up through through Lent, uh, you know, the, the beginning of Lent when you would have to you know sort of tone it down a little bit. Um, somehow, when it got started to migrate outside of of New Orleans, which is less than really ten years ago, again, you could never see a king cake in, in Charleston. Uh, South Carolina 10 years ago, uh all of a sudden it took on this Mardi Gras uh association. So Mardi Gras and Beads and everything else. But it's really a Christmas cake. It really belongs back with the, the Christmas holidays. Um so anytime you know Mardi Gras rolls around, which I think is a week from today, yep. uh, everybody starts talking about king cakes and I just start getting grumpy and 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 harumph about it and uh say, you know, save that for it's like the Cinco de Mayo of uh of of cakes
2: they're not readily available up here in bomb city usa however the other item that i talked to malcolm about which only shows up in february around mardi gras time is this punchki which looks like a jelly filled donut except maybe it's a little bit more uh, heavy on the egg yolk it's you know a little bit more beefy as far as uh, mouthfeel and toothiness and it's usually filled with dates or prunes. Uh, You get some lemons, some apple stuff, whatnot, but uh, typically not uh, stuff, as I told Malcolm. I'm not necessarily somebody that likes a lot of sweets, per se, but uh, some of this stuff is filled with some pretty wicked stuff uh, that I wouldn't really be keen to trying anyway. Are you familiar with Punchki, at least?
0: Uh, Not really. I mean, I think I've vaguely read about the name somewhere, but certainly not something that I've seen uh, uh, down in my my neck of the woods. All
2: right, so... uh, couple other topics here that i want to talk about um a are you going to be going to either well i assume you're not going to mbbqa that starts tomorrow runs through the weekend i think you that's tomorrow
0: to the- yeah down in down in orlando no yeah. not this year so i will not be there
2: will you be going to the hpb expo in louisville kentucky march 11th through the 13th
0: no i will not but i mean the, the kind of writing i do doesn't really lend itself as much to that kind of that that kind of uh, conference. I tend to go more to the uh, you know the big you know competition. Not whether really competition, the big festivals and cooking events and the restaurateurs or uh, type events. Not so much the HBB. Uh,
2: as you're watching the market, there are a number of different cooking vessels that have already come to hit retailers across the country as the year has turned towards the end of the year last year, but definitely as the year has turned here in 2023. So we have more flat-top cookers available, many new pizza ovens, a lot of different flat-top cookers. My call for trend of 2023, which is uh, electric, uh, full-size electric cookers. So with as bad as the market curtailed in the last 12 months, do you still think that consumers are on the buy mode? Or do you think that manufacturers are just hoping that's still the case and they're still offering Basically, new products, variations of stuff that's already been established as successful, but more options into the market.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you you, you got to remember the, the pipelines of those products and they don't come up with them and create them in two months. So they, they've been in the works for a while. <laughs> and they're coming out now. But I, I my feeling is that we've sort of crested that 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 hill. We're starting you know, and you can sort of see it in the stock prices of some of the, the public companies, et, et cetera. Um, n- it's just that you had a, a somewhat of an artificial boom in 2020, 2021 when everybody, you know, w- wasn't going anywhere. They were, you know, they had uh, a lot of people. Not everyone, but but some people had, you know, d- discretionary income to spend. And what are you going to spend it on? You're not going to spend it on, you know, airline tickets for a vacation. You'll you'll spend it in your backyard. So I think there was a lot of demand there, and and people were interested in variation and getting new things and trying new things. Um, I feel like not just in in that outdoor equipment, but in all facets of the Restaurant industry, barbecue industry, that's starting to, to to shift and turn away. So, no, I don't – I think you're going to see a lot of these sort of specialty uh, purpose equipment. You'll you'll see more of them probably coming out this year. Mm. But I have a feeling that, that – I feel like that's a trend that is going to be petering out here. Um, and it will probably shift back to looking a lot more like it did, to say, three, four years ago.
2: I would assume you routinely get questions from – folks looking to get into it in the backyard. I'm not talking about competition, catering or anything like that. Do you have a thought on how one should stage the purchasing of their cookers? And do you subscribe to multiple cooker syndrome?
0: Multiple to a point as maybe two, three. Yes. I would subscribe to that. Uh, 48. No. Um, If, I mean, if you're a, if you're a gearhead and you just really love getting a new thing and playing with it and, and you just enjoy learning and mastering a new cooker, more more power to you. Um, My personal experience is it takes a while to sort of get the hang of any new piece of equipment. Um, And, you know, do you really want to screw up three or four cooks until you really, you know, dial it in and figure out how how a particular pit or cook or anything else uh, works? I, I certainly don't. And I certainly wouldn't advise anybody who's not just looking to, you know, you, you buy toys for the, for the patio to do that. Um, my advice is always to everybody start with something really basic, like the Weber kettle or a, a similar kettle grill. I think that is just Swiss army knife of, of backyard cooking. Um, you can do, you know, obviously you can grill just about anything on it. You can do, do low and slow on it. If, if you need to, um, I think it's a good starter and you should have that. In fact, I have a lot of other things in the back patio, but I, I tend to go to the, to the Weber, kettle unless I'm going to uh, you know, truly be doing something like ribs or a pork shoulder or something that needs to go really a long time at two twenty five or something. If it's hot, it's going on the on the kettle. I I can get it done that way.
2: Last question before I let you go tonight and appreciate the time. Do you think that there is still a position from the manufacturer side of things to try and make one unit that does as much as possible or be positioned as you only need this one to do everything across the live fire cooking space to eliminate other buying options?
0: Um, maybe not so much to eliminate other buying options as I, I think you got to look at the segments and who are you going after? There, there's always that segment of consumer who's buying their first grill or maybe their first pit, or maybe they have like a really cheap one they're looking to upgrade. And so there's, they're sort of getting into it for the first time. And then you've got the person who maybe already has you know, one or two or three things and, you know, his experience like cooking is looking to, to upgrade. So I think there will always be that, that versatile market, you know, of, you know, buy this one, you know, buy this one tool and, or this buy, buy this one piece of equipment and you won't need anything else. I think that will appeal to the entry level folks. Um, But no, I, I feel like, you know, buy what you, buy the tool that's right for what you're doing. If you want to do direct heat, high, high heat cooking, get a grill if you want to do um, the kind of stuff I do, which is cook a bunch of pork, you can get a, a metal box or you could just invest in some cinder blocks and some rebar and, mm-hmm. and make a little cinder block pit and do it. If you really want to master your brisket or whatever, you know, go for an offset, you know, whatever whatever you want that, that type of cooking. But yeah, I've never found the, the that that one pit that does everything. You know, it's a great offset cooker, and then there's a firebox over here, and then there's a grill on top. It just it doesn't seem to ever really uh, pay off at least in my experience.
2: Second Tuesday of the month, regular guest 35 past the first hour is Robert Moss, robertfmoss.com is his website. So be sure to head on over there and see what he's up to. In the meantime, you will see him in March. Robert, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it.
0: Yep. Thanks Greg. Appreciate it. You got it. There he
2: is. Robert Moss. Once again, the website robertfmoss.com and at some point, I'm sure that Q sheet will come back out again. We're not holding our breath at this point. We all would have been dead for months at this uh, stage of the game. Believe it. Green Mountain Grills has some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. So if you're in the market for a quality pellet cooker that doesn't claim to do everything great, like could you grill on it? Yeah. Is it the traditional grilling experience like you would talk about with real high direct heat? No. But two different lines to choose from, so you have options there. You do have the Choice line. You do have the Prime line. If you want to save a couple bucks, only have one size option. Then the Choice line is the one you want to go with. If you don't care about saving some extra bucks, you want a little bit more of a robust build on the chassis. You want some different size options. You want some look-in windows on the main cooking chamber and on the pellet hopper. Then the Prime line is the one you want to take a look both are sold through dealers only so go to GreenMountainGrills.com, find a dealer near you then visit the dealer look and feel and touch all the different options and models and then find the one that's best for you get educated get at home and then have success right out of the box because you're educated by the professionals no buyer's remorse here that's what they don't want that's why they go through the dealers to get you educated right off the bat All of them accommodate the pizza oven insert, which I will be using this coming Saturday evening after volleyball tournaments downtown Cleveland. So if you want to stop over for a high heat pizza, please let me know. We're happy to have you over for some pepperoni or sausage or whatever you like to put on your pies. It's like Booms Pizza, but at the Rempy House. Why not? GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
3: Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey.
2: Welcome back. We thank Robert Moss for joining us for the last segment. Once again, his website is Robertfmoss.com. Be sure to check him out. And as I said, maybe that Q sheet comes back. Andrew Barnhart in YouTube is writing, and does anyone have any reviews on the Masterbuilt Gravity series? Love the concept. Andrew, I don't have one myself, but I've talked to many people that own them. I've had the creators, inventors of that particular unit on the show a couple different times through the years. So here's what I can tell you from the information I have gleaned from those that have. They really like it. They love that it's charcoal. They love the gravity feed option. They love that you can set a temperature on it. They love that you can get really hot. You can also ramp it down for traditional barbecue meats. The only complaints that you hear are longevity and durability. But Masterbuilt has never been one that is looking to invest Top quality money in the best componentry, the best build, the longevity. They're meeting price points by and large. That's what they do, and they do it really well. And I would say the Gravity series of cookers, I think there's a couple different sizes to choose from at this point, are the best selling master built products, at least in our niche. The folks that really are into it really like the master built. Gravity Feed Series cookers that have them. And again, aside from those few complaints or uh, things, the the cons, the the pros seem to far outweigh, especially in the temperature control. Now, Derek Richards did say one time, once he was messing around with it, when he got really low on the temperature, like sub 225, had a little trouble keeping temp, but outside of that, did everything it claimed it would do. And again, price competitive to say the least. So if you're looking at it, Andrew, I would say give it a shot. Why not? We are pointing to the second hour. We'll refresh libations. We'll come back. We'll do a second hour open. We'll review the poll. I would say mix your calls in through Clubhouse, but that's not going to work. We tried that, but I gave it a good college try. In any event, you're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.